man, the sun is so bright out here on the overworld. Yeah, we made it back out again. Alright, so let's huddle for a second here. Alright. Go over our strategy. Good, I need to cover my eyes anyways. Alright, so not breaking the breakable mists. Right. Trying to get more points. Mm hmm. Possibly trying to stack them into a beautiful formation. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't really tell what the goal of this level is. I guess we can go talk to some villagers or something like that. Or, but it looks like there's an exit, like, way up in the sky. Do you see that? Oh, kind of. That's an exit, right? I mean, I can't think of anything else that would be up there like that, so I'm gonna say yes. And since we can't fly... yet... Maybe we should just try to stack the, these mist sheets and uh, see if we can make it to the top. Alright. I think that sounds pretty good. I don't think we have to talk to anybody about this. Yeah. We'll find out soon enough. Yeah. <laughs> this could end horribly, or we'll succeed at something that we weren't even sure we were supposed to be succeeding at. You know, usually in a game, they, something happens when you climb really high. Anyways, right? Yeah. You're yeah. like, oh, secret zone. Yeah, and we're going to be fine because we just got 30 lives from St. John in the previous dungeon. So like, That's right. So we got some risks we can take here. I say let's do it. All right, let's do it. All right, break. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the VGM Jukebox. I'm Emily. And I'm Josh. Each week, we play tunes recommended by you, our patrons, and we also read your testimonials. All right, so let's stack that first sheet carefully while we listen to a very intense tune that we've actually heard before on the podcast. We're going to do it again, and it's awesome. This is being recommended to us by Cam of Worms. This is the track Battle. I forbid you to come any closer from The Immortal, which was an NES game, and this was composed by Rob Hubbard. So let's try not to get too invigorated and be very careful about these mist sheets. Let's see how this goes. of Worms writes, Your socks have just been rocked off by a Mr. Rob Hubbard. Consider yourself worthy if you can withstand the intensity of this track. Those drum samples alone are enough to break bones and shatter windows. I've not actually played this version of the game. I rented the Genesis version many years ago and got my hindquarters handed to me on a bloody platter. It's hard and bloody. 
The Immortal is an isometric dungeon crawler with combat I can only think to compare to Blades of Steel. <laughs> Duck, dodge, and trade blows with your opponent while keeping your feet firmly planted in place. Lots of button mashing, if I recall. Actually, probably more similar to the one-on-one -on -one brawls in General Chaos if you've ever played that. The soundtrack has a strong Tolkien-esque fantasy feel to it, with melodies and motifs that call to mind pan flutes, whistles, and other instruments traveling bards tend to keep in their packs. The NES soundtrack is far and away the superior version. It's hard-hitting and intense, whereas the Genesis version just sounds, I don't know, wimpy? This track in particular makes me aggressively punch my steering wheel to the beat. <laughs> That's really the test right there. If a track makes you kick the crap out of your car, you know it's good. Oh, I can relate, Cam of Worms. I can relate to that. It's with your palm. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Hubbard, for turning me into a man with that track. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, Cam of Worms is right that it does shatter windows because that missed pain is in pieces now. But that's alright, we'll oh, just yeah. move on to the next one, for the next track. It was worth it. Man, I didn't know these, uh, this mist would bleed when it shattered. <laughs> Great track. Oh, I love this testimonial. I love the comparison to Blades of Steel, because that seemed so random. <laughs> An isometric dungeon crawler. That's like Blades of Steel. I, I think I get it. Like, maybe you're crawling around, and then when you see an enemy, you have to fight it or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, Blades of Steel had a pretty good combat system for its time. Mm -hmm. For, for mm -hmm. that time, it looked good, and uh, it played pretty good. Like, it was one of the more intense things you could do on an NES, is getting a Blades of Steel fight. Maybe that's why there's all this blood on the ice. Oh, because it, it came from steel. a hockey rink where someone was brawling. Yeah. No, I was just going to say that when I was a kid, I remember that the... I remember seeing fighting in a hockey game. I don't remember even what system it was for. I'm going to guess NES because my brother was playing it. And mm -hmm. I just remember... So I must have been four or five or six at the time. And I was so confused. I didn't understand the connection between hockey and fist fighting. You know? Yeah. There really I isn't I just wasn't one. exposed to that culturally yet. It is weird that it's like a semi-legit move. What What is it about hockey, actually? I don't understand why... Why that's part of the fabric? I don't know. I wish I could tell you. Maybe it's because it's such an aggressive sport that doesn't have an outlet like that. Like in football, you're bashing into each other all the time. So you don't have to... Bash maybe, more into each other. Maybe it's, You're yeah, already that's a possibility. Doing it. Yeah, or, or it's may, not built in. Maybe it's because you can't stop a, a skate on ice. Hmm. Or I don't know. Actually, I take it back. I have no idea. Or maybe it's just like. Uh, so so thrilling what you can do with yourself physically when you're like you know, flying down ice at impossible speeds. I mean, it's, ju it's just asking for abuse, right? You're just asking for people to bash each other into the walls and, you know, toss them over into the penalty box and stuff like that, right? Oh, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I don't know. I do, very seriously, I do wonder. I mean, they I don't have, really condone it. It's because they have uh, too much of a mech feel going. <laughs> that they have to fight. 
All hockey players are people who just grew up really disappointed that mechs didn't exist and they couldn't get into giant robot fights, so they decided the next best thing was to get all that padding on. Yeah, get a big... And fly down the ice and bash into each other, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. That is a game like I feel like Gundams would play, you know, but with their rockets instead of skates. Uh-huh. <sighs> Anyways, that'd be fun. In the sky, yeah. Sky hockey. I feel like there was something else I wanted to say about this testimonial in here. <laughs> I just, I really like that bit about punching your steering wheel to the beat. Oh That's yeah, so funny. yeah. That's so funny. I definitely do that on the highway. I do a lot of like moves and things and I sing very loudly to VGM on the highway regardless of whether or not the windows are down or I'm stopped next to somebody who can see me. And sometimes I just wonder like, what are they even thinking right now? Has anyone ever taken video of this? And I wouldn't know. You never know. But we will know about this next track when we hear it. This is from Metropolis Street Racer. The track is It Doesn't Really Matter. <laughs> Composed by Richard Jocks and TJ Davis, who does the vocals. This is for the Sega Dreamcast, and it was re uh, uh, recommended by Electric Boogaloo. Here we go.
Electric Boogaloo writes, I haven't heard of Metropolis Street Racer until a few years ago when I stumbled across a video on YouTube. The thing that really hooked me in was a soundtrack, which I found pleasing to listen to. When I found out that not only was it from the composer of Sonic R, one of my favorite soundtracks in that series, but for many of the songs including this very one, the same singer from that game as well, I fell in love with it. I would go on YouTube many times and listen to this soundtrack with a smile on my face. I loved it so much that it motivated me to buy the game online. Once I got into the gameplay, I was treated to an ambitious, challenging, and fun racing game where you rack up points for driving in style. Plus, it even has radio stations you can listen to. Of all the great songs on the game, I decided to pick this one. Not only because the riff from Sonic 3D Blast's Green Grove Zone is reused in the chorus, but also because of TJ Davis's powerful vocals that help give this track some extra dance flavor. I wished that I would have heard of this game back in the day, but I'm glad I did now. Eventually I recorded the entire soundtrack from my Dreamcast to cassette tape and listened to it in the car. Well, yes. This is a good song. You know what's weird that just happened? Mm. Is um, while I was reading that little piece of his text, it was almost the lyrics from the song, and it got me confused again uh, while I was reading I this. I wish that I would that part. Is something about back in the day or something like that? Yeah. I was laughing when I was listening to this song because um, it reminded me of my own lyrics that I write for uh, golf games when I do that. It's just like so basic and it's like love songness, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But yeah. it, it just made me laugh a little bit. Well, that's funny because I listened to the lyrics and I... Well, first of all, I loved how you read the title. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's just so funny. But uh, yeah, I'm all like, I listen to a song like this and I'm like, no, girl, you gotta leave that guy. It yeah. does matter what he did. But uh, what a great track. Yeah. This is so good. This is that, um, that like Dreamcasty feel that I can't describe any other way. Mm. I mean, it's for the Sega Dreamcast, but whatever that time period was when they made music like this for video games, maybe they had a whole group of people who were sitting in a room trying to corner the style, like we found out about golf tracks. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But. It just seems so like specific to me, and it always makes me feel really good. And I also get a little hint of Katamari in there, in the chorus. And I'm not really sure why. I think it's something about uh, the actual chords that they're using, but I don't know. Just good feelings all throughout this. Yeah. This is a good song, and uh, I like the way her voice does sound kind of like an instrument in a lot of ways. Um, or she's just singing it so in tune and almost flat in the delivery. I really like it. Yeah. I yeah. really like that. And kind those of harmonies are really close. She's harmonizing super close. She's making jazz chords with herself. Oh yeah. It's very cool. It's very hard. Really great track. You know, on the previous episode, I talked a little bit about the discussion over modern and orchestral VGM. And another topic that came up on the Fans of EGM podcast group recently was how people feel about vocals in songs. Yeah. And that was very interesting, too, that um, 
people were talking about, kind of like how you just said that you feel that her voice is almost like another instrument in the track. There were some people who were speculating that they are more accepting of Japanese vocals in tracks because since they can't understand what the words mean, they just think of the voice as another instrument in the ensemble, Mm. which is an interesting thought. What's weird is like, this sounds like a Japanese track to me. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised it's not. I guess. Unless Richard Jaquez is actually, uh, you know, Tazutake Misuyoshi or something like that. That's, yeah, his his maiden name is something else. I think also Electric Boogaloo made a note that I believe the pronunciation is actually Jax. Oh, Jax. Yeah, which is not what you would think, but I guess that's just, you know, the... Cool, cool. The uh, Englishization of, of the uh, the name. Well, um, one more thing to mention real quick is just that you suggested that um, they were all like sitting in a room. When you're talking about uh, 3D golf simulations by t Soft, referring to last episode where I yep. Uh, yep. revised the myth of Yumi Kinoshita, to be clear, I like to think of them being in the same room, but I have no <laughs> idea. Yeah. yeah. We just know that no, they we can, all got look. the order, and she says that she was studying that. You know, they all were studying it, but I don't know how often they were like checking in with each other. You know, I think, Josh, that we can allow ourselves some myths, <laughs> that we can let some dreams live, even in the face of this information. Yeah, we should still contact her just to ask her if uh, <laughs> if Shigekazu Kamaki went to her wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I feel like you'll have to just like retire. That'll be the perfect end. Yeah. The perfect end to the story. Oh, speaking of that, that's something I wanted to mention about this testimonial. I love this last piece Electric Boogaloo brought up about loving the soundtrack so much that he recorded the soundtrack to cassette tape to listen in the car. Mm Because I feel like that's the perfect ending to a track like this in a racing game that it would then get ported into real life. Oh yeah. and, And accompany someone as they drive. And it would make them drive with style. So, mm. Well, thanks for driving in in style with that recommendation this week, Electric Boogaloo. I feel like this is the kind of song, just one last thought, okay. that maybe I, I love it without reservation, but I feel like if I played it around other people, they might be they might feel a tinge of embarrassment for me at first, mm. but then they'd get converted. So I'm just kind of imagining myself just sort of exposing people to this track and just like converting waves of people to the sound. So good. Mm. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Getting lost in that. Driving away, driving back. Oh, sad. Okay. I know. Moving on. It's so sad we'll to watch on. this music video of like the girl singing with sunglasses in her car with her hair, and then she's like now driving away from the camera finally. Yep. Sad. Yep. Yep. It's sad. All right. Well, let's move into the next track, which I think is also going to be great. This comes to us from Sure You, Kenny. The game is Snoopy Concert. 
The track is Daylight Forest. The composers are Dave Brubeck, Hirokazu Tanaka, and Minako Hamano. And this is for the Super Famicom. Let's have a listen. Kenny says, This track is special to me for a couple of reasons. The first is that I first got my name mentioned on the Legacy Music Hour for this track. The boys thought it was an original music piece on episode 73, Jazz Music 2, but I recognized the tune immediately. That's the other part that was special for me. I loved the Peanuts and had years ago bought a Dave Brubeck album called Quiet as the Moon, which had music from a Peanuts special on it and I listened to it endlessly. I got excited that I could tell them that this song was actually Benjamin off Quiet as the Moon. Now I just wish I could remember what episode they aired the correction on and mentioned my name. I really like the VGM version though. It's got that great chiptune sound. Mm. I want to hear the piano version of it though. Yeah, true. Oh, Dave Brubeck. It's not the regular Peanuts guy, but um, they have a similar style, I think, a little bit. Dave Brubeck and... I forgot that dude's name. I don't actually know it. Really? I know the guy is a figure, but I don't know his name. Vince not Garaldi. off the top of my head. Yeah, Vince ah. Garaldi. I uh, should not continue that statement because somebody will, with more jazz knowledge, will probably yell at me in their mind until, <laughs> yeah, until they can't hear this song, which would be a shame. And like yes. I said, I want to hear the piano version of it. Actually, knowing it's Dave Brubeck makes more sense because then he would have like a saxophone probably to do uh, kind of like the theme lines. This is beyond my knowledge. Anyways, uh, moving on. 
Well, if he had his quartet, you know, I don't know who he is playing with on this album called Quiet as the Moon. Gotta check <laughs> on it out. this album, on this album called Snoopy Concert. Yes. You know. This is a cute testimonial. I like this memory. Oh yeah, about yeah, the Legacy Music that. Hour because it is always pretty monumental when one gets mentioned on Legacy Music Hour. Yeah. So I can imagine. I can imagine that moment. I know, I don't remember what episode it was, but I remember the first time that they mentioned me, but they didn't know who I was. They were just like, oh yeah, someone in the comments was talking about that. And I was just like, me, it's me, they're talking about me. It was a big moment. Hmm. Yeah. I remember too, when I, I had to go back to think about it when I read this uh, testimonial, because I was like, yeah, that was a really powerful feeling. And I think it was because I sent them a text message. And I remember yes. the text message now. But yep. uh, <laughs> maybe uh, you'll be traveling through time, the legacy music time. And uh, while you're looking for Shoryu Kenny's mention, maybe you'll hear me too, somewhere around in that area. Probably is, actually. 2013 or something like that. Hmm. I'm just sitting here smiling, thinking about LMH nostalgia. Yeah. Cool. This illegal track. That's right. You know, recently I'm gonna I'm gonna share a secret. There was recently an illegal play, and I actually emailed Rob directly. It was a a goof on Brent's part and I emailed Rob directly to let him know and I said you don't even have to tell Brent that I told you I just want you to have the glory of calling him out if you want it <laughs> oh yeah and he thought that was really funny he was like it's okay a whole bunch of other patrons are already on it but I thought that was really funny I wanted to to get if Rob wanted the moment I wanted him to be able to like pick up the phone and call Brent and be like guess what illegal track man <laughs> busted so nice <laughs> Um, anything else for this one? I don't think so, although we're making a lot of progress with these sheets, with these last two chill tracks, so oh, yeah. I say we're about three quarters of the way there. Aren't you so tempted to slide down these sheets? I really am, actually. Yeah. I feel like that's a bad move. Did you bring a toboggan? I didn't bring a toboggan. I think I see some toboggans over there, but I think they're just part of the background. I don't actually think we can interact with them. Oh, let's do yeah. that. Yeah. Now, let's stay focused at the task, on the oh. task at hand. Maybe someday, maybe after we clear this level, we'll be able to come back and then we can just go for slides. Sounds like a plan. Uh-huh. And uh, let's see how much progress we can make over this next track. This is Octorox's recommendation Sonic Mania, the track, lights, camera, action, Studiopolis Zone, Act 1, the composer's T. Lopes for the PC, Xbox One, PS4, and the Switch. Let's take a listen.
Octorox writes, Sonic Mania is an incredible game, and this is an incredible track. In my opinion, it stands up next to classic Sonic greats, and fits incredibly well with the neon Hollywood-inspired zone it's paired with in this game. T. Lopes outdid himself on this soundtrack. What else is there to say? Or I'm pretty sure that T. Lopes is the coolest man alive at this moment. Mm, could He's be, man. so funny. He's so funny. Oh. I follow him on Twitter. He's so funny. He loves the music so much. He seems so genuine. He just seems like somebody that you want to hang out with and is also creating this incredible art. And he's from your neck of the woods. Or yep, he's, he's from, from your from hometown or something. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah, it does sound a little... Does it have the Dreamcast sound for you? It does. Yes. That, I mean, I would say so. I mean, that's that's what is it a, is. A category that Emily has made up, but yes. That's to what me, it, it is. It sounds like it's it's the Dreamcast sound, and then there are a couple of uh, like FM things layered on top of it every so often to give you that like that old school flavor. That's interesting. A uh, two two tracks that like make me feel like they're from Japanese games, but are not. Hmm. Um, well, he is trying to capture that style, for sure. We have a great driving soundtrack, I think, this week. You know? Oh, yeah. We've got good wind feel going on. We do have a lot of wind feel going on. You're right. This definitely has wind feel. That's funny. I have yet to play this game. Oh, yeah, I am I know. driving several of my friends off a cliff from not having played this. They're like, Emily, you gotta play this game. I wanna hear you freak out about how great this game is. Mm. So they like want to feed off of my my experience with it. They themselves have played it and they're like, it was made for you. And I'm like, I know I just take forever getting to anything, I'm sorry. So. That's funny. It's definitely on the list. I'm definitely gonna get it this year. So, and I'm excited, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, you know what else I should mention? Mm. Just as a, a personal milestone here. This is the final episode I will be recording in my house. No! Yeah, so this is it. Um, I'm going to be moving out at the end of February. And uh, by the time we record again, I'll be recording not from my little citrus basement corner adjacent to my retro room, but... Mm. Uh, in an apartment situation. So things are moving along quickly and getting things done. It's been quite a journey. So mm. I'll be excited to be on the other side. Did you um find a apartment with wood paneling? Uh, you don't need wood paneling. I would love if there were apartments with wood paneling because I do love it. There is not wood paneling in this apartment. However, we're on the, the top floor of the complex and there are wooden beams in the ceiling. Oh, okay. So at least there's that. So it feels, you know, it has uh, some interesting character to it for sure. Cool. But yeah, Nathaniel said, because I'm really, really brokenhearted about saying goodbye to the retro room because that no room has ever been more Emily mm. than that retro room. And Nathaniel said to me, he's like, we'll get you wood paneling someday. Someday in the future. Yeah, when you move from your apartment, you can make a whole room the Emily room, right? 
Or your whole house, the Emily room. <laughs> I can't make the whole house. <laughs> well, okay. There's a line must be drawn. No, when I go to the bathroom, <laughs> I want to be looking at pictures of Sonic the Hedgehog running in a loop. <laughs> yeah, it's just going to be like framed video game posters everywhere. When I'm not using consoles, they will be hung up on the wall. Yeah, exactly. I want your house to look like uh, the background of a YouTube video for a comic book movie review. Oh. <laughs> you know what's really funny? I was actually just thinking about this. I think I'm thinking about this in particular because I'm, I'm getting rid of things and kind of paring down to the essentials. And I was talking with um, Ed of Pixel Tunes Radio once, and he, he made... This was unrelated to what I'm going through in, in getting rid of my house. But we were discussing that phenomenon of people... Uh, recording videos in front of a very carefully set up stash of stuff and he said um, that he would rather be remembered for like the reviews he does or the gameplay that he engages in and not for the stuff he owns no, like that... he wouldn't want was that yeah look Ed, I know what you're talking about but people can't just look at somebody's face <laughs> it makes them uncomfortable you know like you have to have a lot of stuff in the background. Oh, I see. So you see the background as more as a, a favor to the viewer and not just like... Yeah, because you're, how many, like, uh, how many takes are you doing? Like, how many, you know, cuts are you doing? How produced is your video? People, it's a visual medium, so they have to look at something, you know? Yeah. If it's a podcast, obviously, just focus on your uh, ideas. Right. That's funny. That's a that's a totally legitimate way of looking at it. I wonder if there's like a way to tell if somebody's just trying to show off or if they're uh, they're setting it up for you, the viewer. But, I think uh, they all are, but it's like you're grateful because if you actually want to listen to what they have to say, it's nice to be able to run your eyes over like a and distinguish all these different toys they have, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you remember? When there was like a kind of a fad of people taking profile pictures in front of their bookshelves. Do you remember this? No. Maybe this was such a, a flash in the pan that it's not even really registering on anybody's radar. But I feel like there was a point in time when people were taking pictures of themselves in front of their bookcases. And I loved that because even if somebody's setting up their books in a particular way, I really like looking at what books they have on their shelf. So mm. I enjoyed that. So I can get that in terms of uh, the toys and such in the background. Or just wood paneling. So someday, someday I'll have it back again. I'm excited to be reading a book by a guy named Andrew Bogust. Um, it's about gaming, but uh -huh. I actually learned about him through this other topic, which is object-oriented ontology or triple O. And it's basically this idea of trying to talk about um, treating objects as equal universes um, that can be described in as much complexity as basically uh, living things, I guess, and people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I'll get back to you on that when I learn more. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds like a really involved topic to bring up right at the end of the show. I just want you to know, like, in case you want to read along with me, dear oh, listener, yeah, book you know, book yeah, I might bring it up again, like, a, just a little bit about what he talks about, but I'll 
Wait till we have a little bit more time. Yeah. We'll save it for another uh, dungeon basement episode. Yeah. Because it looks like the timer on this level, which I didn't even see until we got I to the top of the screen. I didn't see that either. Oh, crap. Crap. It's almost out. Hey, was that an exit after all? I think we only have a few sheets left. Well, it's either an exit or we die, so... Well, maybe we can at least thank all the patrons before the timer runs out. All right, let's try to do that. So we want to especially thank Cam of Worms, Electric Boogaloo, Shoryu, Kenny, and Octorox for sending in the recommendations this week. We want to give a special thanks to Electric Boogaloo for vetting our composer information, and also thanks to JT for setting up the VGM Karaoke Lounge. And to everyone else who's written in and submitted suggestions, keep them coming. Go to our website, thevgmjukebox.com, and click the Suggest a Track button, or go to submit.thevgmjukebox.com to send your recommendation our way. Send us an email at insertcoin at thevgmjukebox.com, or you can send us snail mail at the VGM Jukebox P.O. Box 26959, Los Angeles, California. 90026. Follow us on Twitter at VGMJB, and if you want to find us on Twitter individually, Josh is at Josh.Dachi again, and Emily is at Keyglyph. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any podcatcher, and please remember to rate and review us at the iTunes Store. Join the group on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash the VGM Jukebox, and be sure to check out the bulletin board at the end of the episode to see what music and video game and podcast-related projects your fellow patrons are up to. If you want to be on the bulletin board, let us know, and we'll see you next week. Okay, I'm going to dive through. Here I go. You mean so much to us. And you always will!